the year is 2001. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is my marvelous year. Podcast from Reading Club, where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We are on the year 2001, and today we have a very exciting mutant X World centered episode, but in a really odd and kind of um, unprecedented way, right? These are not your father's X Men. Oh my God, I, I was about to say, say the same thing. I, it's, like, it's like we share a brain sometimes. This is my brain <laughs> twin, Zach. Um, unfortunately, he shares the half that uh, has not read many gets comics. All the ladies. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, yes. I mean, it's the half that gets all the ladies because it has not read many comics. Like these things are not unrelated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I, of course, am Dave. I am the comic book expert, as it says on my sweet mug here that Charlotte got me for Christmas. Charlotte is not with us. Uh, she she is also she is our brain baby (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's our brain baby she's She's our our, our brains made love and produced a brain baby (laughs) yeah i'm willing i'm willing to go there um she got me one of those mugs too it was like official my marvelous year uh comic book journeyman mug it's very sweet and very funny very Um, nice very nice and also i am putting it at the back of the shelf until i level up to comic book master well that's gonna, I be, long, that's gonna be a long time just... coming you're gonna need you're definitely gonna need caffeine before then because you got a long mm. ways to go here we get I listen like... i think i i feel like i've actually said that in the last few weeks that i am now called oh for sure master, but for sure. uh i think she ordered the mug before i said that so it's fair. you can say it as many times as you like yeah and that's <laughs> like i can walk around saying i am the president it does uh-huh. not make it true <laughs> yeah that's I don't know. You're being a little hard on yourself, Mr. President. Uh, <laughs> that's a <ooh>. good. <laughs> that's a Mr. fair point. That's a fair Mr. point. President, if you want to, like if you believe that. it hard enough, it can come true. I think we've we all agree. Um, speaking of believing hard enough, Zach, I believed Marvel Comics could return. I believed that we could get out of the doldrums of the late '90s. I sure. just had a feeling. Yeah. I had a hunch. It's like I think we can do it. We're here. We're back. We're back. Comics great. are good again. Um, I'm excited to be reading these. I was really nervous for this episode, Zach, because so today we're reading X-Force, which is the series that will become X-Statics. We're going to read one issue of Extreme X-Men, and then we're reading Exiles. Okay, Mm -hmm. and all of the issues that we're reading, we'll talk about them, but they're also listed in the show notes. Um, You can also get access to the full spreadsheet just by backing us for $1 a month at patreon.com slash mymarvelthisyear. But of course, it's not pay to play. Like everything's listed in the show notes. We want you to read along, play along, listen along and all that. Uh, But Zach, two of these series, X-Force and Exiles, are like two of my favorites, like getting into comics. Like I love these. Mm -hmm. So I was really nervous because I have not revisited them. You know, I was really nervous. I thought you were worried that I was going to do a classic Zach takedown. No, I don't. Like that doesn't. No. Yeah. Like that is... <laughs> I was surprised. I was surprised that you cared. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that, that does not worry me. Um, 
but like new X-Men, like tremendous confidence. Like I knew going back to it, it'd be good. I've gone back to it since. Like I know, I know new X-Men is good. I do not have mm-hmm. doubts. But X-Force and Exiles, I was like, ooh, uh-oh. Like what if I go back to this and it's like a rough ride, you know? I think X-Force in particular. Because mm-hmm. I, Exiles I like a lot. It's really fun. Well, I, again, like I'm spoiling it. Like we'll, we'll get into these. But it's not, I don't think it's like, oh, like this is the greatest, you okay. know? Yeah, that's... That, With that, X-Force, I'm like, no, I think this is, like, genuinely really, really good. Um, like, one of the best things mm, interesting. from Marvel interesting. Uh, during this era. So I was happy to go back to it and feel validated. Zach, like, comics are good. Comics are good. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. How- I have been talking to people who, like, have gotten stuck in the 90s. And I was like, you know what? It wasn't so bad, like, reading the 90s. Let me, let me look back at, like, the lists that we did through, like, the mid-90s. And I look through and I'm like... Wow, nothing here. There's nothing here I really loved, huh? Like, it, your your list curated it to being a bunch of, like, stuff that was, oh, yeah, that's fine. That was kind of interesting enough. But, like, boy, nothing that I loved since, like, I, I mean, you know, it's like Marvel's Age of Apocalypse, a handful of things here and there. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. Uh, we're, we're really in, a, especially for mutants, right? Like, mutants are really turning a corner right now, specifically at Marvel. Um and I wonder how much we're ignoring, right? Like, are there a bunch of mutant series going on at the same time that are also just awful and totally derivative and uh, forgettable? Probably, right? It's probably the way of X-Men all the time. Well, I mean, that's the, you know, that's the curation effect. I mean, we are, you know, you and Charlotte recorded a bonus episode at the end of 2022 for, you know, well, re-watching X-Men, the movie that came out, right, in 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, you know, we're in the aftermath of that, right, with the comics landscape, so... There's going to be a lot more mutant stuff. Not that mutants weren't already big, you know. They're already obviously like a huge part of the bread and butter of what Marvel sells in their comics landscape. But post movie, you know, you you start to see just boatloads of miniseries and different characters. You know, the Morlocks get a mini, <laughs> like Chambers. It's gets so a mini. weird because like, you get like a lot of oddball stuff here. People running from you know the movie and being like, I want to get into X Men comics. Who's going to run into you know a Morlock mini or even Exiles, right? Which is kind of way too inside baseball for like a newcomer i wonder what the, like you know if they even thought like we have to make sure there's a easy jumping on point to point people towards nothing the ultimate we... x-men i mean new x-men well ultimate x-men yes i guess ultimate yeah. x-men is the answer um yeah that's that's where you jump new x-men in its way but then it's so it's grant morrison so it's like it's not that easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? right it's not it's not too continuity 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 heavy um continuity kind of, we, we missed yeah, out on yeah. continuity scene that's heavy Christmas continuity yeah, yeah anyway anyway let's let's talk about the uh let's go from best to worst start with extreme x-men yeah the, yeah uh, tell me about it tell me about those destiny diaries all right i, I, I had actually, to i had to I'm include very this curious one about this yeah, yeah yeah okay i mean so here's here's the easy the easy answer for including extreme x-men the return of Chris Claremont. Chris Claremont. Yeah, 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 yeah. The X Men comic. No, I like. No, I'm um, curious he's, about. He's bounced, you know, around a little bit during this time. Like he's he writes, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, X Men number 100. He writes this story about the Neo, which we're not going to read. But this is like full on launching a new series for the 2000s. Extreme spelled with an X. It's Chris Claremont, artist Salvador Larocca, who we have not read much of at this point, but is going to be around with Marvel for a little while. And uh, you know, Claremont kind of a big deal if you're doing the my marvelous year reading club so you got to read the first issue of this series there also is like some really lasting legacy stuff that's what i was going to ask because like you know does this series go on to do stuff right that like 
you know, like the rest of the Claremont run influences everything. Um, because it seems okay to me. Like I, you know, I think I was bracing myself for like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be a rough return. And then I read it, and I was like, it was a little hard to get invested because you know, again, it's it's Claremont, and unless you kind of have that buy-in, it's tough to like make yourself be like, all right, here's thirty-five pages. Every panel is gonna be packed full of dialogue, and you know, you kind of need to be committed to like going on the full ride, right? Like, <laughs> kind of like I'm doing with the original Claremont again now, um, but like. So, so there was that aspect where I was like, okay, do I have to really like hunker down and really get into this? Because yeah. are we going to read any more? Does this, any of this matter? But I thought it was okay. Like it was written fine. It kind of felt like, you know, Claremont doing Claremont. Um, it didn't seem particularly noteworthy, like, you know, the quality had dropped or anything. I like the first few issues of Extreme Men. Okay, Batman. okay. And then I have no time for it. Like, that point. like, I, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like it drops off hard for me. Um, I think the thing with Extreme X-Men 2 is like, you know, if you think about, okay, it's basically been a decade since Claremont was not like, certainly not like super enthusiastically or graciously pushed off of X-Men, right? In 1991. Mm-hmm. Like that was not a, like it was time, but I don't think Claremont thought it was time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and it was kind of just a, okay, this is Jim Lee's now and this is the moment thing that happened and so you have okay it's been 10 years and claremont was everything good about x-men and x-men's been you know for you know and again i'm just like i'm not saying this is something i believe but obviously it's 15 years of great x-men like it's a huge huge legacy and then you say all right and they're back here we go right you know it's uh it's martin scorsese doing goodfellas 2 you know oh hell it's, yeah uh, it's francis oh, ford coppola doing <laughs> godfather 3 you know all these celebrated moments <laughs> i was creators. i was thinking about uh, apocalypse now yeah two uh, apocalypse. apocalypse apocalypse then apocalypse present now too the day, days of apocalypse now God, days of apocalypse now these are all really bad <laughs> yeah we were terrible at this charlotte um, where are you <laughs> regardless you know it's a big deal to have claremont back Iceman. um here's the thing about the return the the, the 2000s claremont in in sports parlance he lost his fastball <laughs> like it just happens it just happens. Like Chris Claremont lost his fastball and he comes back to X-Men and there's some stuff here and there that you might be able to reference. There's some ideas that bounce around here and there. There are little moments that I like, but generally speaking, there's no Claremont series post two thousands that I'd be like, Oh yeah, you should definitely read that. There just mm-hmm. isn't. Um, and it's not for lack of trying. It is not for lack of trying. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's still clearly like, it, it seems like he's had a hard time moving on from it right and not being like and, and realizing that like marvel and x-men have kind of moved on because he's still he's still just churning these things out which is a bummer because it's like you kind of feel like these creators you know at some point should be able to be like okay you know i just got to start doing my own thing right like i probably have some freedom to make you know something creator owned maybe if they yeah. really want to like if chris right. claremont wanted to kickstart something and you know like i'm sure he would get the backing for it if not through traditional publishing so like the the I mean, I'm reading, and I'll talk about this later when I'm done with it more in depth, but John Byrne's uh, X-Men Elsewhen, the, like, his take on, you know, what he would have done with X-Men after the fact. And I think it's really fun, but also part of it is like, man, you gotta move on, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been 40 years, like, um, you know, go, go write something that will get published, right? Like, that you can put your stamp on. Uh, it's kind of strange to still be like stewing over, you know, where especially these stories where it's not like, you know, they had an end in mind, right? They couldn't have an end in mind because they're big two 
like Marvel. It's Marvel comics. They have to continually go. So it's like I, I that drive to just be like, ah, you know, I never really finished what I wanted to say. <laughs> it's kind of odd to me, you know. Who, yeah. Who else had the opportunity but Chris Claremont to get the space to say what they wanted to say um, and felt like pushed out the door. But Yeah, right. No, it's like clearly you had it's like you did have time <laughs> to tell some stories there. You have 15 years. Um, it's a little bit like, I don't know, like a Don Knotts or like Jason Alexander, you know, with, with From the Andy Stanza, where it's like, no, just like uh, where you're so you're so tied to one role, you know, like it's it, and like Don Knotts? Written other, what? A... <laughs> yeah, like a real contemporary reference. Don Knotts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a what a weird poll. I I that, I was joking when I said Andy Griffith because I was like that must not be who he's talking about, but it is. What? It... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don Knotts. I mean, from, he... from the Andy Griffith show, obviously. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, everyone thinks of Don Knotts when they think of someone stuck in a rut. <laughs> it's the go-to. <laughs> it is the go-to example worldwide. Uh, um, but that's Claremont, you know, just kind of stuck yeah, okay. with X-Men. Stuck with X-Men. Yeah. And, and yeah. anyway, yeah. Let's, let's talk about the actual content here. Uh, you know what, actually? So, you know, we're talking about Claremont because he's the big name and it's a return and blah, blah, blah. Um, the concept's really fun, actually. I like it a lot. It's like a, it focuses in on, like, Destiny's origins and the creation of her diaries and this idea of, like, mapping out, you know, predictions for the future mutant kind. I love this idea. Mm-hmm. There's tons yeah. of legs. With this idea, it's executed, I think, very well. Um, it's cool stuff, you know? And, like, you get some Mystique and Destiny stuff out of this and their relationship. Not not as much as you'd want, but some. You know, the seeds are planted. Um, and just, like, the idea that, you know, it, it creates a really cool Marvel artifact for the X-Men, you know? Which, like, is always fun when you have a Starlin drop in the Infinity Stones, right? Or something like that. Like, Destiny's Diaries feels like, oh, okay, it could kind of have that potential. You know, it's mm-hmm. the Nostradamus guide of what is going to come from mutant kind. Um, and writers don't necessarily treat it that way all the time. But when they do, it becomes very fun in the future. Uh, the thing that actually bums me out the most about this run is I really don't like looking at it. <laughs> I, there are Salvador Laraca runs that we're going to read in the future mm-hmm. here that I like a lot. So it's not it's not just like, oh, this artist is not to my tastes. But this artist in this period... Working in in this heavily digitized. Hey, we it's discovered so computers two thousand one mode. Very smooth. Yeah, it's bad. I I do not like looking at these comics. Um, there's a there's a digitization. You know, mm-hmm. there's a modernization that is going to help, and it is going to make things look sleek. This is the in between period where it's like oh, people just, are figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. It's like just go back to tactile. <laughs> pencils and yeah, brush because yeah, this yeah, yeah. is rough it's I, I didn't think this is like the worst example of that we've read but it's 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 not great uh yeah it's i i didn't particularly note the art but i can i can see what you're saying um it definitely it definitely has that like overly smooth overly you know yeah digitized look to it um yeah i i thought like the team makeup was kind of interesting like this is a comic if you told me like we were going to be reading a ton of i wouldn't be too bummed out because i'd be like oh okay Seems like, you know, he's got plans here, and I like, you know, like, Rogue and Bishop and Storm, and then someone new named Sage, who I'm looking up, who I guess I had I have just no, read Sage about. Sage is not new, but she's she's not been given the prominence of this book. Yeah, right. Yeah, I get, well, <laughs> I think apparently she was in the Hellfire, like, the Dark Phoenix stuff, 
uh, in I would not expect a casual fan to be like, oh, yeah, I Sage, just, I the, literally uh, the just Hellfire read Companion the issue. of Sebastian was, Shaw. Yeah. Right. I just read the issue she premiered in, and I have no idea. Like, this does not sound familiar yeah, at yeah. all. Um, and then I guess it's that, and then her, she shows up here, and that's, like, more or less it. Um, it's stuff um, that gets codified kind of in backstory, where then yeah, retroactively yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, she's in the Hellfire Club. Um, I think Neil Shara as Thunderbird here is, is the new character, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you get a new Thunderbird. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think if you're a huge X-Men fan and a Claremont fan specifically, you probably want to read a few of these and kind of see how it how it fits your taste. I know there yeah. are some X-Men fans who are like, yeah, I really like, <laughs> I really like, because this run goes for a long time. Like this is a, this is yeah, a I was surprised. run. It goes for at least 30 it, issues or so, um, if not more. Yeah, so, I that, mean, I, think, yeah. I don't know. It's not for me. Uh, there's just be, and part of that too is like, as we're going to move on here, the other X stuff that is actually fresh, obviously new X-Men, you know, chief among mm-hmm. them, but it's like the other X stuff that is actually fresh is so much more engaging. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's not, it's not that this is like old man Claremont, you know, like so heavily necessarily, but, uh, but it doesn't feel like new and exciting. I don't think it feels a little more nineties, you know, it feels, it feels like we're stepping back a decade. It's a kind of just in its like storytelling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's talk about Exiles, because I think like going from Extreme X-Men to Exiles to X-Force will be like the evolution of like comic book stylings, because I think Exiles kind of falls somewhere in between. Like This feels a little bit more like late 90s, like some of yeah. the fresher late 90s stuff. Yeah, that's It doesn't feel fair. totally like groundbreaking to me. Um, it's groundbreaking cute. is that's, tough, but it is... That's I what think I'm going to say. It's cute. The, well, the concept of Exiles is wonderful. The, the high concept of Exiles is... You get six mutants from alternate reality, one of which is the Age of Apocalypse that we know, and you get Blink, Clarice Ferguson, who we've seen in the Age of Apocalypse. So it's kind of like, okay, that's our grounding. We've we've been to that world. But then you get all alternate reality mutants. They all come from different Marvel universes, mm-hmm. and uh, and they come together and are put on these missions, you know, to correct the timeline and things going wrong in the timeline. Uh, you have this this lead figure, the Time Brokers as this sort of cosmic keeper of the time. It's the, you know, if you've, if you've watched Loki, it's the timekeepers. Um, like every, everything about the timekeepers, you know, basically you can, you can get here from the TVA in those, you know, Walt Simonson issues, but also the use of the time brokers. And just conceptually, it basically boils down to like, hey, what if, what if was good? <laughs> and what if, what if had uh, a, a narrative thread that continued? I think is the biggest mm-hmm. thing sure. that Exiles it, it's, very smartly does. It's quantum does. leap. It's it's like exactly quantum leap. But you've that's not that a show. comic book, so it's kind of like why reference. <laughs> Has anyone it? ever seen it or can use yeah. it as a reference point? <laughs> Have you watched Quantum <laughs> Leap? I no. I actually I've tried to find it on streaming like countless times, and it's never available. Yeah, countless times. <laughs> countless times, Zach. Let me just countless times and countless and realities. I have sought Quantum, quantum Leap, leap uh, which uh, has been rebooted. It, somewhat recently it's on the roku channel and peacock i found it for you (laughs) there's your countless times of trying to find it i I couldn't get it on peacock i tried um Hmm. anyway yes it is you know it's hopping different realities with different premises and and different uh inversions of some known marvel stories some known marvel characters you know and that sort of thing it's really fun it is uh well they they hop realities and they're given they're given a task in that reality to like fix the timeline so they have this little computer that they show up in a new timeline and it's like, oh, you have to make sure that 
Jean Grey dies here at the Trial of the Dark Phoenix. In this one, she's not going to sacrifice herself, and she's going to take over the universe. You have to make sure that she dies. Yep. Uh, you, I, I couldn't help but notice you stopped before issues five and six, which was an Alpha Flight issue. Couldn't uh, help but notice well, that, Alpha huh? <laughs> 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 Thought I could sneak that where, one by you. Where they go, and Wolverine is still part of Alpha Flight, and they have to like capture the Hulk, um, stuff like that. So it's it's fun. It's a uh, yeah, it like it, it's a little you know in love with Marvel comics and just like using them as a playground, which is fun, but it does kind of mean, like, it feels limited to me in that regard of, like, oh, okay, well, we're just, you know, we're, we're gonna, like, hit some... I'd be curious to see if it, like, can evolve past, like, hitting the, you know, the fan favorites, right? right. And, like, not just not just get a lot of its pleasure from, like, okay, where are we going now? Oh, we're here. Oh, that's fun. Like, we're here in this space that I've already read and familiar with. Right, right, um, right. I think the Dark Phoenix yeah, but... one is... It's kind of, it's a, in a lot of ways, it's like, it's very familiar. It's very get your bearings. And then I think from that point, it, it increasingly deviates. That's what I was gets thinking, more playful. You know? um, yeah. It also yeah. will focus increasingly, again, because we have this narrative thread of core characters who I actually find very interesting. Um, you know, the story is theirs. It's not necessarily like, oh, come relive the Dark Phoenix with us with a big what if twist. You know, that's actually not as much the, the thrill of this. And then there's also the mystery too of like why is this happening you know why were they mm-hmm. gathered by the time brokers and, and what exactly is the deal right and that kind of gets played out so the creators here we have writer judd winnick pencils by mike mccone we've got inks here by mark mckenna and colors by jung Choi. um judd winnick famously on the real world in the early 90s <laughs> um has since gone on to write uh quite a few comics um mm. exiles is the first big one for marvel but judd winnick goes on to write um some Green Arrow stuff uh, under the Red Hood. Oh, that's where Batman I know stories. him. I knew like I, I knew I knew the guy from uh, some. Oh yeah. no, he just did Pedro and Me, right? That uh, that comic. Pedro and Me is is before all this, which, uh, oh, which that's, sets the stage not... <laughs> for getting. He just this did you know September two thousand did Pedro and Me, but I, <laughs> yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm confusing on something. Um, and it, you know, since done like a lot of like all ages stuff. I think some some animation like has a has a really long mm-hmm. successful career. Um. Winnick has definitely a more comedic style, a whimsical style. I think it fits the Marvel Universe sort of template of of the Stanley school of well, what Spider Man's saying isn't actually funny, but I like the personality and the gumption with which he says it. <laughs> like, there's a total I don't know. That, it's got it. a lot of that like, you know, uh what's that on your shirt say? I don't know, but it's just an excuse for you to stare at my chest. True, true. You know, like, <laughs> well, that's or, more like the character of Morph is the but it, yeah goofball, yeah. a little offender. you know the goofball sex the goofball sex offender yeah yeah just Which like is, the classic I mean, to be fair goofball. but he's not but I don't know I, that's what I was the most nervous about it is yeah. it's very stock but it's also like that was the character I was the most nervous about I was like is this yeah. actually gonna read horribly now you know and I did not think it did I did I, not it, think it did to me he's annoying but it is not like I'm not wincing but i'm mostly i have i have very little time for morph uh but maybe maybe that improves in the future because i can see the potential for him to be a fun character but he was too much like a sex offender <laughs> for me to you know you know really he's actually very deadpool-esque yeah. the way he's written. yeah i can see i mean the the you could see the ability for him to change like into objects and stuff like he's kind of plastic man you know he really is yes. just like hamming it up in the background which could be fine it just is that tone of He's incredibly horny and abrasively so. <laughs> but, uh, 
turned me off. But the whole but thing kind of he's not actually that, like, lecherous. He's like very friendly about it. <laughs> I guess we'll get different opinions on this. I don't know. I don't find him threatening or no, offensive. No, 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 no. Um, no, I like mean, there, the, there's the more content that... warning for sexual assault in <laughs> X Force certainly than there is in X. Sure, but that know, yeah, but that's in, right, in terms of like serious, seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that it, it's definitely like he's just. I mean, <clears throat> he's just doing the like the um, what's the guy's name Xander from Buffy thing, right? Like playful sex pest. <laughs> which I is like, like morph more than xander <laughs> i will i will yeah, put well, that he's on got, paper he's got more fun powers but it, it's one of these things where like i feel like in retrospect you know it's it's a, uh, I mean it, he's every big bang theory character which is just totally normalized to just be kind of like rude and sexually harassing the women around them uh it's a very like it's a very stock kind of character um but you know the whole thing kind of has that whedon ish uh what is it mimic and um blink kiss at one point uh she she like comes on to him and <clears throat> kisses him and walks away and then we just get a panel of him going well that didn't suck you know so you get you get stuff like that which i i guess some people might like <laughs> to me that's more horrifying but these comics um, did come out in 2001 yeah yeah they did <laughs> they, they, they do they, feel and, and you can feel it that's that's yeah uh, but i it, don't think i don't think overly so in the ways that i was nervous about honestly mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I think they're written with generally kind of an open heart and a playfulness and, um, and like yours, I mean, you said it as a criticism, but I think the, the desire to explore the Marvel universe as a playground to do fun things and, and explore fun twists with is part of the appeal. I mean, the folks who like this series, like myself, that's what you're going to like, you know? So like the Mm -hmm. first mission, the time broker tells them, all right, you need to go, uh, free your mentor or something like that. And they're all like, okay, we need to find professor X. They free him. He's in prison, and it turns out this this world's Professor X is evil, and he, or you know, quote unquote evil, and he he's the one who's leading the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and it's simple, just Professor X flip with Magneto stuff. Um, but I like seeing a big bad evil Professor X, <laughs> like I like seeing him working with super muscular Juggernaut in these things. Uh, and yeah, like I said, like I actually like this cast of characters. I like Blink. Mimic is interesting here as kind of the standard prototypical superhero character from an alternate reality nocturne is a super cool character nocturne's cool yeah. uh this is tj <clears throat> wagner she's the daughter of nightcrawler and the scarlet witch mm-hmm. actually yeah. um has some weird powers she can like yeah. kind of phase into somebody's body and then like leave them dazed it's interesting i'm definitely more into I... the first two issues um with the professor x timeline than i am the dark phoenix stuff uh which to mm-hmm. your point is kind of just like okay we're playing out you know we're playing this campaign in a familiar landscape i mean it does stuff with it i I don't want to like totally dismiss it that it's just like overly reverential like it does fun stuff with it like i you know like he's thought about stuff these are these they're well-constructed comics i think the fact that we read four issues in it pretty quickly established all these new characters you know the first issue is very like exposition heavy but it works you know um because these are mostly new characters right like nocturne mimic morph and I think this version of Thun- Thunderbird. We'll get a new all Sunfire new. and a new Thunderbird, yeah. But they established them well enough and insert them into like X Men history well enough that I didn't actually know that. I was like, hmm, I wonder if I just, you know, like, like the way, especially Mimic, the way that Mimic has been like an X Men for so long and even a leader of X Men in his timeline. I thought maybe yeah. I just missed X Men. Um, 
but like when they show up i like the uh the detail that they show up and they're like we have to go hide ourselves because wolverine's gonna smell us immediately and wonder what we're doing here um you know so like it it is trying to do more stuff and like think through the ramifications of these uh and i think doing a multiverse hopping thing could be really confusing and lose its like stakes and bearing and it, it doesn't do that so um i'll happily like we're reading eight through 15 next year i'm excited about that these are fun yeah no they're, yeah. i think they're a good time um i, I think if you like it, it also is i think it's a very welcome addition to what x-men books can be doing you know stuff in the mm-hmm. line like and i think that's part of our dissatisfaction in the 90s there where it's just like okay like every book is a team book and every book they're kind of doing the same kind of missions and this one is like no we're gonna play with the full marvel universe and we're gonna do a full-on alternate reality thing and we're just gonna stay there you know like that's that's what the book is um it's not crossing over with morrison's new x-men or anything like that it's just its own playground and uh and it's it's entertaining and i do appreciate that love mike mccone's art here i will say uh especially the action the action yeah. really yeah. Is, is pretty flat and like characters lose their shape weirdly and get very wonky looking does thunderbird have a nose so you know i think thunderbird is the weirdest looking character by far and he's, like sometimes every he's time not, i see him sometimes... it reminds me of um <laughs> charlie xcx in the original guardians oh, rude oh okay um, <laughs> just a... <laughs> yeah no not not the actual charlie xcx the pop singer but you know that charlie uh what is it charlie 19 or something like that in the the original guardians lineup um just where it's that like blockheaded jupiter shape and it always just looks really strange that's what that's what thunderbird looks like to me and he's supposed to have been morphed by apocalypse you know in his world in some ways like he's but like looks strange but it doesn't he just fit. loses all facial features and he has this smooth skull like literally they just draw him with no nose and then the next panel he'll have a nose and then and i don't I'm think like, other characters something... have that problem here necessarily. not necessarily sometimes you get weird like your forearm is coming out of the middle of your bicep kind of stuff uh i also don't you... think i think bacone does a nice job not hyper sexualizing characters that are often and will be hypersexualized as exiles continues in mm. in the skeevy ways you know like blink <laughs> and sunfire yeah. are characters that are like almost literally designed for like upskirt shots you know like there's a lot of like <laughs> let's get yeah. some cheesecake in here with those characters and like listen there's covers where we're going to see some of that um but i thought in these early issues like i was kind of surprised there wasn't more of that frankly um, I, it didn't y- seem as i wouldn't have thought of this i, was I had be. forgotten about it but they do have the the Jean Grey's breasts thrust out, you know, perfectly sculpted at, in the moment that she's murdered. She's, like, stabbed in the back by Wolverine. Well, if you get stabbed the in they... the back, you can't help but pop your chest. <laughs> That's like the... Uh, have you ever read The Dresden Files? Those, no, what is that? Books? The, is there, like, urban fantasy? They're really famous or really popular, uh, like, urban fantasy. I've read thing. Urban the Dictionary, guy... but not a lot of urban fantasy. <laughs> the guy is, like, way too weird and horny about women's bodies and like can't help but just like constantly talk about how hot they are even when it doesn't have anything to do with the scene yeah literally like the opening scene of one of the books is finding a corpse and the first thing that he describes about the woman is her like perfectly sculpted breasts and then it like pans down to like talking about how her the rest of her torso is blown apart (laughs) (laughs) uh and it kind of had that i was just like Jean Grey is being murdered here, but we still have to make sure that, like, you know, so hot. she looks so hot. Speaking um, of being blown apart, yeah. oh, let's talk about yeah. X-Force. Let's talk oh, about X-Force, yeah. maybe. 
All right, so we read X-Force number 116 to number 121, which is basically the first, uh, you know, the comics that came out in 2021. This is written by Peter Milligan. We got art and inks by Mike Allred, Mike Doc Allred, colors by his wife, Laura Allred. Mm-hmm. Edits by Axel Alonzo, a future Marvel editor-in-chief. Editor-in-chief here is Joe Quesada with Bill Jameis. We're in the Jameis era, baby. Um, Zach, X-Force is flipping excellent. It is a classic it is an icon. Milligan and Allred have returned to the book, actually, for a series called The Excellent in yeah, our I present that. day. That is happening yeah. right now. If you read this whole run and you like it, they're publishing comics that are a sequel of sorts. Um, Zach, had you read any of this before? Did you, what did you nope. expect? Mm-mm. I, I think I actually generally expected what this was going to be because I think I watched a Comic Tropes video years ago about this, maybe. Yeah. Um, like, I kind of knew the, the structure of the first issue, which I, knew, I wish I hadn't. Honestly, because the twist don't. at the end of building up, and it, it, it functions as a number one issue. It's kind of weird that this starts in X Force. Pretty soon, they're gonna <laughs> it shed is that. super weird that this starts in X Force. Let's not sugar. Yeah, yeah they're going to shed that and start with Ecstatics number one pretty soon. But like, it just, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it's kind of like how X Force New Mutants just became X Force, right? Am I remembering that right? How X Men became New X Men? Is that what you mean? Oh, oh, no, yeah, dude. yeah. Post um post Liefeld like so New Mutants yeah just, like well, new no mutants. but that relaunched because it it was New Mutants till issue 100 but I guess mm-hmm. like issues 90 through 100 are no there's still a New Mutants team kind of going on there um, yeah at some point though relaunched. I thought new anyway like it, it just becomes a brand new comic brand new characters entirely new tone like at one point it, this I think the second issue here we do confront the fact that they're calling themselves X-Force and the old team still exists and is like hey don't use that name <laughs> like, Cannonball that name be... Domino uh, I think Boom Boom show up mm-hmm. yeah. and, and somebody else. And they're basically like, hey, we're X-Force. And it feels, that's the thing about this book is like when they show up, it's like, what are these chumps doing here? Like they don't belong, <laughs> they don't belong yeah. in this creator-owned universe. Like that's yeah, the thing yeah, yeah. about Milligan and Allred and X-Force. This book feels like, I guess now what we think of with like DC Black Label, mm-hmm. right? Or oh, or no, even like Marvel or, Max is like yeah. a young animal. Yeah, like a curated yeah. imprint. Where it's like it's set in the Marvel universe, but see, like this isn't like a part of continuity, right? But it's like no, it is. <laughs> like it's just happening. It's con- it's if you read X Force number one hundred and fifteen, the issue before this starts, the tonal whiplash. Oh yeah. In what yeah, X Force yeah, yeah. was compared to what it becomes here, which is this satirical, smart commentary. You know, um, it is incredible how different it is from anything that came before. It is such a breath of fresh air. Um, even more so than New X-Men. Uh, you know, New X-Men is a breath of fresh air in terms of the the what X-Men comics can be, but in the way that we expect, right? Like, in mm-hmm. we still yeah. have Professor X and Wolverine and Cyclops and Jean and yada yada, right? Like, it's still all doing the big mutant stuff we, we kind of anticipate. X-Force is 100% new characters, um, and n- in no way a book you could have anticipated. I don't think, you know, coming out of this line. Honestly, even from these characters, or from these creators, rather. Like, Mike Allred, maybe a little bit. That Mike Allred's style is... First off, I love it. I, I love oh, the Allreds together, Mike it's and Laura Allred. Yeah. They, yeah. He has, I guess what would be referenced as kind of a pop art influence style, you know, of the 60s. But frankly, it's it's a lot more detailed than it's, that. It's modernized. It's One thing like, about the Allreds that I realized is I was reading on my phone, yeah. Zach, for a bunch of this to yeah. catch up. Yeah. Every panel looks great. Every pet, oh, you yeah. don't it's, catch well, them sleeping, you know? It reminds me of, uh, like, Kirby a lot, right? Like, it kind of sure. has a... 
I mean, the style itself is, like, influenced by, I think, like, 50s, 60s sci-fi pop art, right? But the actual, like, layouts, I think, are really influenced by Silver Age comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, where everything's very flat, right? Like, we don't, you don't get a lot of depth. You don't get a lot of shadows that aren't just, like, full, you know, like, full blacks uh, rather than, you know, like, shading, I guess. Um, and there's very little shadows to begin with. Like, it's a very colorful comic, and it's very, like, everything's very flattened and on one plane. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, it's following, like, kind of a 60s style of, uh, you know, individual little action scenes and, like, little snapshots rather than, like, you know, longer uh, sequences of images. It, but you it's, do get, you really get so much remarkable. fluidity in character yeah. movements and expressions. Um, everyone's actions Oh, yeah, for being so in. simple, the expressiveness is really there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the characters' mm-hmm. faces, and just the way their clothes like fit or don't fit or fall off characters, you know, things like that, like the, just the attention to detail, I think is very, very great. Um, another thing that is very, very great. This is one of the best first issues of any run in Marvel Comics history. I mean, mm-hmm. it is. I agree. Yeah, Zach, ha- I've seen this done since Deadpool two famously copies it mm-hmm. <laughs> in the movie. Is there media that you've seen like? that comes before this, and I'm putting you on the spot on this, that, like, does a similar thing? Like, is there a big one that I'm missing? Uh, I mean, Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad copied it with James Gunn recently, yeah. too. You know? But they're all copying this, right? Like, <clears throat> here, here's a bunch of new superheroes. You'd never expect a new team of superheroes to die, right? Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. here it feels fresh, but then when they do it, it kind of feels like, you know... I, I mean, obviously, it's copying this, but no, I don't I, know. Yeah, I like, I'm um, just guessing there's there some are other examples that, like, you yeah. know, did something similar. But, um, but regardless... You know, it's yeah. We get a whole issue of our introduction to Zeitgeist, and we're getting their origin story, and and it doesn't not totally it doesn't dissimilar feel than like Rogues. The, <laughs> you know, it does not feel like you are <clears throat> doing the build up to some like punchline here, right? Like it takes no. it seriously. You get to know who like a- enough, like you feel grounded in these characters, and you're like, you know, you're invested in the team, and it does a really good job of introducing this new these new characters which is always a tough ask right like it's tough to have a new comic being like here's a new team new characters you've never met them don't feel overwhelmed like it feels very natural into the like setting you into its tone and these characters and when slurk dies i cry every time (laughs) slurk slurk, i think that's his name slurky rules he's so cool uh slurking on people's heads in the background um (laughs) And, yeah, and, and then it has, like, at the end, this hyper-violent death <laughs> of all of the X-Force, um, except for, oh boy, uh, Evie? And... So, so you go girl, Edie Sawyer you survives, girl, yes. and Tyke Alicar, who's <laughs> new here, uh, the Anarchist, as he calls himself, mm-hmm. um, yeah. he survives too, Wait, and he's an Anarchist? Anchor. I am an Anarchist! Because uh, it has to rhyme <laughs> with Christ. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's those are the two that survive, but it doesn't feel like like you feel like any of them could have survived, right? Um, sure. You know, clearly. And then the next comic, I think it's the next issue or another one. Another character, a couple of characters die uh, as it moves on. So it does really like it does add a nice wrinkle to feeling like oh, you know, there's some stakes here, right? Like things could yeah. just happen to these characters. It does add a sense of like franticness when they are on a mission. And jumping ahead a little bit, but they're on a mission after this the new team and it's like the first mission proving the new team and the new leader and the new leader feels out of his depth and he's having like 
they're having a hard time extracting this kid from the surgery table and they're in trouble and it does feel like there's a heightened sense of danger and a sense of panic there because you're like oh yeah they might just die like one of them just got torched uh someone could get killed here like in a way that you know I, i i don't think that that's uh it's not something I think about that much in like big two superhero comics where I'm like, well, I'm there's this isn't fun because Batman couldn't die here, right? But like, it it does it does add something here. It is in the back of your mind. I mean, I think you yeah. know, especially when you read sure. enough yeah. of these things, like a cliffhanger, you know, with Joker pulling the trigger and seeing the sound effect blam, <laughs> does not have the impact it has yeah. Yeah, when a uh, guy does it at the end of issue two, playing oh, Russian yeah. roulette. Did, did Joker really peel off? robin batgirl and bruce wayne's face probably <laughs> yeah. yeah probably that's one of the probably stupidest, right stupidest um arcs. no it's just like you can't get away with those cliffhangers the same way yeah. in in those stories because we know everything gets put back on the table and that's what i'm talking about with x-force feeling creator owned where it's like no like milligan and Allred do whatever the heck they want here and uh and it's working so okay the big thing with x-force when it came out it's the fir- zach did you know this it's the first comic from marvel i think since 1971, since Stanley the Manly took a stand on Amazing Spider-Man without the Comics Code Authority. Mm, that is ridiculous, but it's like the Comics Code Authority has a ridiculously long shelf life. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. this X-Force is one where they're like, nah, forget it. Well, that's, <laughs> like, that's just like we interesting can't do that Marvel would go to bat for this one, right? Like, it doesn't feel like... I mean, it's great, like, and it turned out great, but... Like, was it even a, was it a sales darling? Like, what what gave them the It's a critical darling. Like, I doubt yeah, it was I know a it's a critical darling, darling. Even at the time. I mean, Peter, here's the thing about Peter Milligan is in a lot, like, Peter Milligan comes out of the 90s with a really impressive Vertigo Comics resume. Mm. 2000 like, AD, a, tons of that. Yeah. Tons of 2000 AD. Like, Milligan is style-wise and sort of critical acclaim-wise in a lot of ways like Neil Gaiman or like Grant Morrison, but without the cult of fandom, frankly. Um mm-hmm. The work is not that far removed. Like Shade the Changing Man in Vertigo, Enigma. These are books that, listen, I don't think they're as good as Sandman, you know, or or um, like necessarily like Morrison's best stuff, but they're playing at that level. You know, they're mm-hmm. competitive, I think. Yeah. Um, it, but those are also very surreal, very literary, very smart. Um, you know, they're Vertigo books of the 90s. You know, they're, they're definitely trying to do that. So for Milligan to step in and to be so sardonic, I think, mm-hmm. and and funny a lot of times, um, I don't know is the most anticipated, you know, direction as a creator, but it but it really works, again, especially with Allred, because the visuals really fit it. Um, but there's just so much smart commentary here, uh, or at least attempted smart commentary. You well, know? I want to I say, like, I think that's something this comic gets known for, like... It's ecstatics, it's skewering, you know, pop culture and reality TV and, like, mass media consumption of, you know, celebrity. Yeah. Right? Which is true. All that is really here. But it doesn't, it is not a comic that is just, that's what it's doing. And that's all it's doing. Right? Like, it's it's very much yeah. it's character first. And it's, like, the story driven by the characters first. And then all that is, you know... Like, the, the underpinning of the series, but, like, what matters to the here and what, like, draws you in and keeps you reading is not the, like... I mean, I, th- I think the, like, the commentary stuff is fun and interesting at times uh, and, like, occasionally pretty insightful. But, like, for the most part, it's, you know, it's these characters. Like, I'm... 
the very into is it Mr. Sensitive slash the yeah. orphan, yeah, uh, and you go girl and like their relationship is very interesting. Coach is a very interesting character. He's a good villain here. Um, yeah, like especially I guess you go girl and uh, sensitive sensitive man or Mr. Sensitive. What am I? Uh, Mr. Sensitive is what they call Mr. him. Sensitive. The orphan, I think, is what he'll the orphan. Okay, yeah, by. that like specifically that's like who I get really drawn into here. Like, and their relationship is very interesting um and they're really well written uh the so yeah i just i just want to like put that out there i don't think this is like a you know an issues book necessarily like it handles that with a pretty light hand uh it's kind of cynical and it's kind of funny but it is not like uh, it's not like transmetropolitan you know where it's like really what's on for the like the the forefront is i'm making a point every issue i'm making a point you know like that that's the the you know I'm, I'm putting my aiming my targets at something every issue it's like yeah there there's that but like it's also it is a superhero comic with a team that you kind of get invested in um well, like i got it, invested and in there's a and there's I, a cynicism to all of these or most of these characters where you know tyke alicar might have this issue of like am i black enough right with this other character mm-hmm. threatening to come on the team and being like you're not really black and you want to be white right and he's like challenging racial conversations but then at the same time you have these characters who are trying to be reality tv stars and don't really want to have that conversation to the point that you then have you know the the media narrating this and saying oh good here's a battle so we don't have to deal with these challenging racial conversations like like almost word for word and (laughs) it's funny funny bit it's a funny moment because it's true it's like yeah that's how a lot of people feel (laughs) a lot of the time (laughs) you know the newscaster saying like just to warn our viewers that, you know, we might get some pretty heated language here and some racially insensitive terms tossed around. All right, back to the show. <laughs> and like, clearly just, you know, I was very excited to get the and I think back it's, on these And I think things. it's thoughtful in engaging with the issue. It's, to your point, it's not so heavy handed in like, oh, here's the big race issue. Um, where, because that, mm-hmm. you know, again, that's one of those things that I'd be like, oh boy, you know, 22 years later, do I want to go back and read that? Um, I think it's very thoughtful. I think it approaches yeah. Yeah. It approaches it with empathy and curiosity but again a certain tone of cynicism where it's like and just a lot of stuff going on frankly where it's like yeah but there's also a lot of focus on you know the suicide squad aspects of an x-force unit where Mm -hmm. it's like okay you're gonna go on all these preposterous you know cia secret missions with all this (laughs) murder and fatality going on and all of you are coming back no i don't think so i don't think yeah i'm glad you brought up suicide squad because it's clearly like this owes so much to the Ostrander run, right? Like it's it's taking that and running with it in new directions. But I, I was thinking of that the whole time of like, especially of characters dying, right? That is that is something the Suicide Suicide Squad used to do. It didn't yep. used to be so like casual about it, I guess. Which is like which does amp up the the tension is that it's just like everything's going fine, and then oh god, what's the big pink guy's name? It starts with a bl- bl. Well, it, initially it's bloom, just pink. <laughs> is it bloke? Blo- 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 yeah bloke i think that's right yeah yeah and then bloke just gets shot and it's just he's dying uh and that's a real bummer like i liked that character yeah yeah it's like in, a, like in a very limited span it's like it actually is a f- and like saint anna you know you're like oh like mm-hmm. i kind of want to know more about really... her and it's like oh no nope, yeah we're yeah. not gonna get that um well and bloke too is like just casually gay um the first you know? time we've seen that i think the first time we've seen a character who just gets to be gay without it being like you know a very special issue 
kind of like the North Star very get, special and, episode. And he makes you know. <laughs> he makes a great joke here too, which is like I can't remember. They're watching a parade and uh, yeah, yeah. Someone someone makes a joke about all the like sexy hens or something. The chi- yes. oh the chicks, right? He's like sexy hens. <laughs> That's what the kids are saying now. And, I know. Um, yeah, he says something about the chicks, and then bloke behind him is just like, and the roosters. <laughs> like, and with, with a little grin, knowing that he's, like, somewhat making fat, uh, which is the other character, uncomfortable. Like, uh-huh. he's do he's doing it slightly to provoke him, uh, and it's really good. It's, like, it's very charming, and all that's packed into this very simple interaction. It's it's very smart. You know what it reminds me of um, is uh, is Miller a little bit. Like with that focus on the character, um, the character work on with Frank a, Miller. Yeah, I mean, it totally, it's totally different. But I was just trying to think of other comics that felt like very much their own, um, like singular work that felt like I, I guess like Miller will often have stuff that he's like considering going on in the background, but he really knows how to like deftly. I don't know. Now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> That's a weird comparison. I, I, yeah, I can't. Com- I, I can't actually defend this now that I'm saying it. Out yeah. Loud. Never mind. Uh, okay. Scratch all that. I, I do have. <laughs> I do have another point that I'd want to bring up. With ecstatics, can you imagine this comic with a different artist? I mean, I'm glad it's Mike Allred. Like, let's start there. Like, I'm really uh-huh. glad. Yeah. It's Mike and Laura Allred. They're perfect for it. Um. And, you know, before I answer the question, too, I do want to say that's one thing I really like about this era is and we've kind of alluded to it. Maybe we've talked about it a little, but it's like Joe Quesada, Jimmy Palmiotti with Marvel Knights. They start this thing of like identifying like, okay, comics are having a moment right through the 90s of all these indie creators and and creators doing really interesting work. And like, let's go find them. Let's bring Mm -hmm. them in like Peter Milligan and Mike Allred. When they come in, they have really good established track records. (laughs) <laughs> already mike allred has madman the series that he's written and drawn you know so you have two capable award-winning storytellers uniting in this in this vision for a very strange x-force book and i just feel like so many of these runs now are going to be folks where we can say like oh yeah they did this this and this as opposed to i don't know i feel like a lot of times in the 80s it's like they just kind of show up, <laughs> you know, like they're like, oh, yeah, they were a teen and they sent Jim Shooter a newsletter, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, or yeah, they were, yeah. you know, they were a fan <laughs> and they were at conventions and now here they are. Um, and, you know, or Anna Senti, right? What was her story that she told us where she was like, yeah, I just kind of, you know, I needed a job. <laughs> it was like, so I became yeah, an editor right. of Marvel Comics. And it's like, no, now these are people who like, you built a resume of like good comics beforehand. Right, yeah. And, uh, and that, and that's, you know, that's how Bendis gets it, in the it's door. It's becoming more like the literary world. Uh, as opposed to whatever comics were <laughs> i've always <laughs> like i've where, always seen it as a literary world Zach. but you know where like your your yes bona fides are what matter rather than kind of you know I, I, there, there's less of a chance right like you said of just wandering in yes <laughs> get in the yes, job because yes. you know someone um i'm sure that's still that's still a thing but so to your uh, question i mean i think yeah. if you put um frank quietly on this you know, instead of New X Men with Morrison, it's gonna feel different. It really is. I uh, I guess what I was really getting at with that is I was thinking about these comics where the art and the uh, the writing are so totally intertwined in yeah. to, in creating the vibe of a book, and I'm like, is that what makes like an incredible <laughs> an incredible book? Like, is that what I feel like you need for to create like you know, a comic that's kind of in the the upper echelons of like perfect comics is something where you just can't imagine that it was anything else, mm-hmm. right? Because I can like, 
I can picture new X-Men, right? Like, and we get new X-Men, we get different artists on it. And the artists, like, we get good art, but it swaps in and out. Um, well, and there are artists this, I don't like, like as much as Quietly. And some of those issues I'm still, yeah. like, kind of into, you know? I know, and when you think about it, you think about the Quietly Morrison stuff, right? Like, those th- those are what those brings are the us. The, yeah. That's what feels like <laughs> like the quote-unquote real issues of it, to, to be very rude to everyone else. Yeah, no, I, I think in a lot of ways. Uh, so, like... You know, we're same with like Miller and uh, uh, my Klaus Jensen. Klaus Jensen, yeah, right. Um, like comics that just feel like inevitable that these were the people on it, and it just like if it was somebody else, like this just wouldn't work. It wouldn't feel right because you can't imagine that somebody else was doing that. Because I think of other comics that I've liked, and then I think about swapping out the artist for someone else who could slot in there, and you know, I, I guess. So you know who is going to slot in for Mike Allred? That is actually going to work. Is yeah. Darwin yeah, Cook? I, Darwin I saw that. Cook. Yeah, <laughs> which totally makes Xbox sense because which works a very similar style. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe well, it's and they work together about... on like Catwoman and stuff too. So like, there's a yeah. around this time. Maybe it's so... just more about having that like singular style. You know, maybe, maybe this is less about some well, kind also... of like perfect unison and more like just well, that it has a very unique visual style. I mean, I think you're right. Yes, that like that those things are incredibly important. I mean, I do think too. Like, we're in an era where creative visions get to run together still you know for longer mm-hmm. like you don't like because mm-hmm. like now like in 2023 the prospect of the same writer and the same artist doing more than like five issues together in a row doesn't happen a heck of a lot you know on licensed stuff because you just the pace so it of just, it it's yeah, just the pace just and the, you get filling artists artist and you're gonna get chance. you know so yeah. a lot of like the like best case is like you might have an artist who has like um i mean immortal hulk's a bad example because this artist has revealed themselves to be uh, to have some problems, a real like, dingbat. Yeah, you had some consistency. <laughs> I guess is the best way to say it. Um, yeah, you had. I, I I and I think a vast majority of comics readers like the consistency mm-hmm. of a creative unit that has established themselves and has done good work. You know, David A. Hahn, Matt Fraction, right? It's like you, you want to, but then even that run, it's like Francesco Francavella does like four issues. Uh, Annie Wu oh, does yeah. a whole arc. Like it's you know it's funny because like you think but they're about, clearly like, trying to be. Aha, uh-huh, there, which is kind of interesting in that, like, well, Frank of E is not. I, I guess I, I remember reading, I've only read about like half that run, but when it switches off Aha, uh-huh, it's like not immediately obvious. Like, it's, it's, you, you can go a little bit before you realize, I think. Um, I don't know that, that like switching creative, uh, like, I kind of agree. I like having the core creative team, but then I like something like Fables that will like take little in between issues of the main series and the main, it's not like, miniseries but it will just be like all right here's a breather episode or issue between yeah sure. big arcs and we're gonna have guest artists and they're gonna do their own take on that the, the same material i kind of like that i guess like having single like we used to talk about this on like ultimate x-men where it would be like here's one arc and then in the middle of the arc the artist switches and it becomes so jarring right like this is purportedly the same story and the same characters yeah you know happening and then all of a sudden we've got like a manga style instead of like a yeah whatever a, a more like yeah i don't i don't mind tonal switches stuff. for breathers or for flashbacks or for um even just a new arc but yeah mm-hmm. when it's in the middle of a continuation that's really hard to pull off yeah that is really hard to pull off i cannot think of many examples where that's like enjoyable you know it, anyway it's that, that, at the best tolerable is yeah, yeah, I, I agree. The, the the point is, this comic, like, it feels just like one of those, like, matches made in heaven, you know, where you're just like, this couldn't have been anybody else, and it would, it just wouldn't have worked the way it works here. 
right like that that yeah. tone that the art brings and that like goo like that it's got this real hyper violence like the heroes kill people here very casually and it's usually like overthrowing third world countries right um being sent out like you said on these cia black op missions yeah and and it's just very casually like you know blasting people's eyeballs out of their skulls and burning the skin from their flesh with acid vomit um but because of mike allred's style like it's not like it's hyper violent but it's still incredibly cartoony and stylized and i think like and it almost lends like more horror to it than if it was trying to be like hyper realistic <laughs> i guess you know like this this reads to me as grosser and more upsetting and jarring than like the 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 hyper violent stuff in like um ultimatum that we read right mm. um yeah maybe not actually that's i don't think gnarly. so i don't think more no so it, that, that stuff's actually very gnarly no but i, I do guess think I you know if i was on public transit and i flipped to the final page of x-force number 116 and it's yeah, like guys with his yeah. guts played out i'd be like oh, i should i should conceal this a little <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's much more vivid right like at a glance you can look at that and it's just because yeah two-thirds of the page is bright red like flat bright red <laughs> yeah red um yeah it's it's really remarkable stuff i'm i'm so excited to read this is definitely going to be a read every issue thing yeah me. so that's that's where i was going to ne- end this with is i think exiles exiles is not a read at all run for me i think mm-hmm. um if you're enjoying it obviously do that you know like there's you're going to find issues you enjoy more but we are going to curate that we're going to hop around you'll be fine You'll be fine with that experience if you like it more. Which read seems more, okay. Course. Like it seems kind of like yeah, it's fun. You know, yeah. Read, read what you think is fun. Uh, I think yeah. the X Force into Ecstatics. You know, we are going to read more of it as part of the club, but it is a run that like it. it this for me is a read it all run. I mean, this is one of my one of my all time favorites from this era. Um, it stays very interesting as it continues. It only goes and, like forty issues, something like that. It's not. Yeah, because it goes super, it goes about fourteen fun. as X Force, and then it reboots as X Statics for another twenty six. Yeah, so I guess forty. Mm-hmm. Um, you can easily look up translators for Duke Dupe rather. Um, you can, oh yeah, you let's talk about Dupe copy. <laughs> which I I, this is the first Duke. time I've done that. I, I had never actually been translating as I went, and now I am. Okay, and it's more. I don't know that how additive it is, but I love Dupe, <laughs> so it's kind of fun. <laughs> okay, I have. That I, I actually don't want to do that because I, I was surprised. I, I know Dupe is like a fan favorite and he's like the cameraman for the X-Force. Yeah. And at this point, six issues in, we get to know nothing about Dupe. And I really like that like yeah. because he speaks this alien language and has like alien symbols for letters. Um, and I was surprised. I thought he was like, for some reason, in my mind, he was going to be a Pip the Troll-esque character. Oh. Like he was going to be kind of a wisecracking, yeah. like Danny DeVito type. <laughs> it was my impression of him. Um, but no, he floats around and he's mostly silent and he's just kind of in the background. And I have no idea what his deal is. And that makes him really fun because he's this strange little green glob man uh, that just hangs out with them. And it's like, is he even... Is he a, a mutant is he a human I don't, I don't know probably not why is he on x-force but everybody <laughs> yeah. he's friends with wolverine he's uh, friends with wolverine they go way back he convinces, we learned he convinces that wolverine to save x-force at one point uh-huh uh, or to save you go girl from coach um and uh yeah 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 so dupe dupe is like very intriguing to me and i i appreciate how restrained because i thought he was going to be kind of like a i don't know used as like a baby yoda-esque mascot mm. <laughs> maybe mm. like over I got the impression he'd be over much quirkier and more mysterious. 
yeah, than yeah, that, yeah. So, you know, where it, it like truly it. is just like, wait, what's this character's deal? <laughs> like, yeah, we, yeah, we exactly. do not know. We absolutely do not know. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I like this book. I like these characters so much. Like these characters don't get played with outside of this run, and that's another reason yeah, I think it feels so incredibly creator owned and unique. Where it's like. You know, it's not like Tyke like goes on to be like, oh yeah, he had a big run with the X Men. <laughs> like these things don't happen. Uh, they are Milligan and Allreds, and the world seems to agree. <laughs> you know, the creative world seems to agree. I got. Uh, I mean, we should also mention Spike Freeman, this yeah. billionaire boy wonder. I guess in their thirties, but you know, wearing a ball cap. Big Rob Liefeld energy to the X Force creator, <laughs> Spike Freeman. I uh, I don't think that's an accident given that that is this is Liefeld's brand. Oh, wait. You think that the like the tech trillionaire who owns X-Force is a Rob Liefeld thing? I think it's a little bit of a parody. Yeah. Huh, interesting. I didn't I didn't think about that at all. I was thinking like that it was somewhat ahead of its time in like because I feel like you could read this in 2022 and be like a software billionaire/trillionaire buying their own, you know, like like a, a media property and then trying to get like overly involved in the public perception of this media property i'm like that feels very prescient uh, in 2022 it doesn't even feel prescient in 2022 it's like yeah that's elon musk and jeff bezos like they're trying to buy their own media uh whatever uh you know jeff bezos trying to like conduct television shows on amazon to you know fuel his pet projects and elon musk with twitter obviously so like but in 2001 that's pretty like the software silicon valley bro thing had not quite re- reached its ascendancy there so um i don't know if it was just kind of uh, good luck or very prescient but i mean that, i guess you have the dot com bubble and all that stuff is kicking off yeah so i mean people were i think rich, i think the thing like, that they hit on we didn't have a celebrity uh software billionaire yet yeah quite not not in the same well i guess bill gates you know probably have at that point but not, yeah I guess. not the young <laughs> guess bill the young gates, kid yeah. with all the money right um I, I think one thing they hit on too, though, is like because they are insightful and thoughtful about what is happening in the world, you know, a lot of the commentary on the shallowness of fame and reality TV, like all that stuff really never went away, but has certainly cycled mm-hmm. back around, yeah. you know, with TikTok and YouTube and all of the ways that. Oh, yeah, of course. Now, right? Yeah, like no, all that feels, stuff is still here. It's just different mediums. Doesn't feel dated. Yeah, um, so no, yeah no, it doesn't. Oh, I mean, it, uh, the it's definitely got this like super dated either. Huh? It's already doing, like, woke capitalism stuff, right? Like, we're a paramilitary force, but we have to make sure, like, let's get a gay, like, we're going to have a a gay person on the team. We'll have a black person on the team. Like, the guy who accuses um, Anarchist of being, like, the black token member is not wrong. Like, that's how it was viewed, bringing him on the team, I think. And it's funny because, you know, you get your, like, your Avengers issue where Falcon's put on the team per Henry Geirich's affirmative action mandate, and it mm -hmm. feels like very stodgy commentary sure, on the issue yeah. whereas here it yeah. feels I, it just has a looser natural more natural touch, feel yeah. i think yeah um as opposed well it's to not like, trying to be better like, comment on this yeah well it's not teaching you anything <laughs> right like it, it's it's not didactic in uh how it like approaches that stuff it's, yeah. it's letting you like draw conclusions from it 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 is like i mean it also is 2001 in some fun ways that uh, like I cracked up at Boys R Us as being the boy band. That's a yeah. really funny name. Um, and then I, w- one thing that has shifted I thought was interesting is You Go Girl tells Dupe to not film her from such a low angle because it makes her butt look huge, almost like J-Lo. Yeah. And, uh, and I just like that. I remember, do you remember that in like the early 2000s when J-Lo's huge butt 
was like a punching bag. <laughs> Not literally a punching bag. But, I wish it was um, my punching bag. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Dave, let, we can uh, censor that. Um, but uh, yes, it was like a joke that she had this like enormous butt. And, and like that being like, like a, almost like that being perceived as a negative. Whereas now, right, exactly, that would be right, that like clearly having, the having positive a, of positives, <laughs> right? Like we as a culture have turned around on big butts so much <laughs> in the past twenty years. It's Listen, incredible. the two thousands were not all they were made out to be, frankly. Yeah, like, yeah, we what, used to make fun of a woman for having a great ass. <laughs> I think the general acceptance of thickness is the greatest thing to happen. <laughs> it's the greatest development of the, it's the greatest 2000s. progress man has made. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just that, that reminded me of that, and I was like, oh yeah, that you. I remember being like. You know, even like shows, I don't know, exactly Animaniacs and stuff would always draw, you know, a J-Lo, make fun of J-Lo with just these enormous hips. And it was did like, you see the, fun of it. did you see the movie where J-Lo is a stripper and she does like an eight minute striptease? Hustlers? No, I have not seen Hustlers yet. My wife showed me the, the striptease. The, just, <laughs> just the striptease. I know it's, inc- yeah. it's incredible. She's like 55 now or something. J-Lo's a, a powerhouse. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. All right. Someone, someone, calm him down. Woo! Standing from the block, baby. Um, <laughs> okay. Jeez, I'm gonna need a cold glass of water. Cool. Uh, what are, what are you what are you up thinking about? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's this is a uh, it's a great comic. Excited to read more. Very. I already looked up like buying this in hardcover because so I was like, I would I would definitely read this multiple times. But uh, it's unfortunately had a print and like three hundred dollars for the opportunity. Mm, that's a bummer. Yeah. It's a bummer. But well, this is a read it all for me. CBH mm-hmm. approved. All right. Next yeah. time on my moral this year, we're going to talk about Daredevil. We're going to do mm-hmm. Daredevil by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev. Or wait, no. This will be Maleev's not around yet, I think. This will be the David Mack. Um, and then we're going to do Daredevil yes. Yellow. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Part four is going to be an just... Avengers special with some Patreon backed requests. You can request your own oh, comics yeah, by going to patreon.com slash my moral this year. Uh, and then the final issue of 2001 is going to be. A new creative run on Amazing Spider-Man, the JMS, John Romita Jr. run. We're going to do a little introduction of Yelena Belova, written by Greg Rucka in Black Widow, and then a little more Black Panther. So we got some good stuff a-coming. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm interested in, interested in all that. We already did the Daredevil. Was that just you and me on that Daredevil one, or did Charlotte join us? Uh, is it I just us again? Just you and me. Where is Charlotte? Yeah, in? I think we yeah, should check on busy. her. Make sure she's doing all right. Yeah, that's right. Because we were like, do you want to miss Daredevil or X-Force? And then she said... And it wound up being both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it didn't wind up being both. Anyway, Daredevil was interesting. I'm glad uh, we got to talk about that. Um, Zach, so I I put the... So we're recording this like at the very start of 2023. And I basically Mm -hmm. put the list together for all the comics we're going to be reading throughout 2023. It's loaded. It's loaded. Oh, yeah. Like, I am am truly, truly excited about multiple parts. And we're going to have eight-part years, you know? So like 2000... Three but that doesn't look like that's not an intimidating thing like yeah yeah it's not like oh we have to read all these it's just it's like <laughs> right, oh there's so yeah. much stuff i want to read that we're just gonna have to break this up into longer chunks well i'm looking at like even um you you have these bonus round you know comics which like i i want to say now i do not encourage anyone to be like oh i gotta go read every one of those i gotta but that's not what they're for like that's not what they're for you are leaving like they're you especially know. in the 2000s especially in the 2000s i just started listing everything because I was yeah. like, you could also read this. This exists. Because, but it, like are in two thousand three, there are nineteen titles that you have listed. <laughs> Those <laughs> that are, are also not running curated. <laughs> Let's yeah, be clear. right. But like, you know, it, it, it's just interesting. There's so much stuff uh, going on. Well, there's I'm a very there's a massive influx of miniseries in this era. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so like you know, almost every character, like we, like we like we joked about earlier, like the Morlocks and Chamber, like that's real. That happens. <laughs> so like if they're getting minis. You better believe there's a lot of. Minis I mean, Wolverine team ups. In 2003, I see three separate Wolverine miniseries. Sure. <laughs> Alone, as well sure. as his solo series. You know, I would say the Greg Rucka written Wolverine run would be mm. a good one for a Patreon backer to suggest some issues for. If you are if you are in the tier where you get to suggest issues, I am not going to have a lot of Rucka Wolverine. So I will throw that yeah. out there as as an open opportunity. Well, yeah, that's a good uh, good time to mention. We did retool the Patreon a little bit. Uh, $10 a month gets you the ability to add uh, an issue per My Marvelous Year year. Um, so 10 bucks a month, you can start altering the list and start making us read Sins Pass twice uh, in 2003, 2004. <laughs> yeah, we didn't mention this on the Patreon, but you can duplicate a comic that I specifically don't want to read. <laughs> We're only going to talk about it, it once, twice. but we will have to read it twice. In the I think we should record two homes. separate issues if we read it twice. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a fun yeah, okay. listen. Um, but no, we, did, did we ask... had someone We had someone in the Slack, Zach's, recommend, like, oh, I want to add the vision later. Um, and it's like, like, From like don't add, like, like, I don't want people trying to add comics that are, like, really well-known and well-regarded. Um, because the, like, listen, like those things are going to be there. Like I, I, I mean, you can, promise. you're just kind of throwing away. Your, well, well, <laughs> your, I mean, we'll tell you, like, we'll tell you like, no, yeah. that's there. Don't that, you know, please think of something else. But that's what I'm saying with like the Ruck Wolverine where it's like, uh, get, get a little off the beaten path with the picks, you mm-hmm. know, well, just a little bit. Um, I will say, uh, <laughs> yeah, somebody else asked if they could add a comic like from years that we've already read. And yeah. Okay. The answer is, the answer is technically yes, but technically, it's just going to yes. be on the list. We're not going to cover it. We could you do know, so. maybe we would do like a Patreon special, but we're definitely not going to like oh yeah that's, update that's the old episode. Idea. Like, but we could easily just read it and do a Patreon special. I mean, why not? Especially like if we had a handful. Unless it's of like them, an Alpha Flight issue, you know, or something. It, <laughs> that would be kind of a fun idea. You know, if there was like a collection of six or eight like listener picked older issues, right? If stuff we've missed in the past thirty years, just do one thing, just brushing on stuff that. We might have uh, missed in the past. And certainly there's a lot of readers going through at their own pace, you know, who are right, in the exactly. 1970s that's, that's still, I mean. right? So if you want to pick a comic we didn't cover in the 1980s, well, a lot of folks are going to So many of our readers that. are, so many of our readers are not caught up because they're like, yeah, well, in the 70s, I'm reading every Power Man and Iron Fist comic sure. as, as well as the club. You know, they have their, their favorites and they're reading Moon Knight or Dracula or whatever. Um, yeah, so... Interesting stuff. Uh, if you want, uh, well, we're wrapping up here. Go. go <laughs> I don't know why I said if you want. Of course, that's kind of built into the process. If you want to listen to my other podcasts, that's okay. Um, <laughs> we. Uh, I think if you if you don't want to, it's mandatory. But if you want to, it's okay. Like you feel exactly. Um, we're doing extra issues. It's our second podcast, replacing my ultimate year. We're in the middle of our superhero subversions theme, doing six comics covering superhero subversions. So we've already covered Watchmen, Planetary, Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt, and The Boys. That Boys episode should have just dropped on our Patreon. Boys night. Uh, and, and then we're going to cover Miracle Man, the Alan Moore run of that. And then our listener choice for Superhero Subversions is Sleeper by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, which I'm pretty excited about. I read that one very recently before I had the chance to talk to my good friend Ed. um, (laughs) Yeah, how is it? I I don't know anything about it. Ed, he's doing well. He seemed really good. Oh, not Um, Ed, the comic. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, Zach, I don't want to, I don't want to like ruin your expectations. Uh, I don't like it nearly as much 
as Brubaker Phillips stuff elsewhere because their sure, other yeah. stuff is so good. Well, of course. Yeah. And Sleeper is it's it's early. It, it, it's it early feels them, like minor, and it's also minor Brubaker it's, Phillips. It is to me. It is to me, but yeah, it's a really yeah, well-regarded run. I know that. Um, yeah. I also don't have Wildcats Affinity, uh, Wild so it's it's you know it's of that universe and it's those characters and yada yada. So it's it's not. I didn't like recognize the faces and players. Not... Yes, it is. Yeah, it, it I, is because I looked that up before I put it on the poll. Because I was it's like, not do a we have to know barrier, but it might be more additive if you do know all those players. Mm, I would say. Oh God, don't tell, <laughs> don't tell our listeners that. Cause You're going to have to go back right, and well, read Wildcats, Zach. Before I, I read the ten issues for extra issues, I have to read seven hundred issues of. You don't have you to know, read all seven hundred, but you could read. Jim Lee. Listen, read the first twenty by Jim Lee, and then read the Alan Moore run, and then read the James Robinson run. <laughs> and you'll be about 50 issues deep in Wildcats. <laughs> yeah, I've always been kind of curious. All right, so after that, though, we already picked our next theme. We're going to be covering the entirety of the works of Molly Knox Ostertag, who's a contemporary, mostly young adult, but not entirely, um, comic book writer. I'd say I'm still uh, no mostly sure. a young adult, but, like, n- definitely not entirely. <laughs> like, like this hairline is receding too much to be entirely young adult. <laughs> uh, I, my hairline is still firmly uh, Gen Z teen, so... Hell yeah. Think, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're going to be covering everything that she has written, basically. it's uh, if She has a small enough body of work. We can do all of her stuff in three issues. Or three let's episodes, not... So. Let's comment on her body less, please. But I think otherwise I look forward to your... <laughs> <laughs> your two's commentary um, yeah charlotte and i really uh that that is the end new segment for extra issues is we do <laughs> creator uh, bodies rates. <laughs> we pull up photos of the creators and we yeah. rate them uh hot yeah. or not okay i better prep this for miracle man um because Al- i have some thoughts about alan moore i have some right, let me t- alan steamy moore thoughts. shirtless let me just do a quick google that must be if it was grant morrison all right, so while you're uh, at Marmo's here, Marmo's here, uh, music for the show is about to ask for you. You can find my stuff at Comic 